Good morning, church family, and grace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you to take your Bible and turn to Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. We'll be looking at the entire chapter this morning. And if you're using one of the Bibles that we provide under the seats, you will find this on page 399. Page 399. And I've entitled today's message, Rebuilding Our Synergy. As always, we'll begin in a word of prayer, and then we will consider this text. Let's bow together. Our Lord, we do thank you so much for this beautiful Sunday morning. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you, and we pray that you would help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray that you would use today's passage to shape our understanding of our life together here at Grace Baptist Church, that you would help us to understand the privileges and the responsibilities that we bear as members of a local church, and that you would use this text to advance your cause in the world through us. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you're just joining us this week, we are in a series through the book of Nehemiah. We've been in the series for about a month, and we've got a couple of months to go. And if you're not sure who Nehemiah is, he was an Israelite who was living in Persia about 2,500 years ago. He worked in the king's court, King Artaxerxes. But Nehemiah was also a very godly man. And when he learned about the sorry state of God's people back in Israel, it broke his heart. And so Nehemiah began fasting and praying and brainstorming, just thinking about how God might use him to bring revitalization to his people in Israel. And finally, Nehemiah developed a plan with God's help, and he took this plan to King Artaxerxes. And he asked Artaxerxes, for permission to leave Persia, to go back to Israel, and to help God's people start rebuilding their nation. Nehemiah understood that this work would have to begin in Jerusalem, the capital city. And it would have to begin with the rebuilding of the city's walls. So he asked Artaxerxes for permission to do this. Artaxerxes granted permission, and so off Nehemiah went on a 750-mile journey from Susa, where he was located, all the way back to Jerusalem. We've been following the story of Nehemiah as he has wrestled with what to do and, and as he has developed his plans and now begins to implement them. We're studying this book together in the hope that we can learn some leadership principles here that will help us achieve something great in our own day. Because, friends, we want to be used of God, too. We want to be used of God to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, to build His church, to revitalize sister churches that are struggling. If God should have it, that He would use us to transform the world with the gospel of Christ. We want to be used of God to do great things. And so we're looking at this book, we're looking at how Nehemiah was used of God to transform a nation. We're hoping that God can use this book to help us advance his cause today. 
We've learned a lot of things from this book already. For example, we've learned that if we would be used of God to achieve great things, then we must become a people of prayer. People of prayer. And that's because reformation and revival are works of God. And so if we are going to witness these things in our day, then it will have to be God taking the initiative. And so we must pray to God, pleading with Him to do a spiritual work that we can then be a part of. We've also learned that we must be a people of moral courage, which is to say we must be a people who are willing to say what needs to be said and to do what needs to be done, even at the risk of danger. And that is because God is pleased to use a courageous people. We've also learned that we must become a mission-driven people. We have to have a clear sense of who we are in Christ, of what He would have us to do, of how He would have us to achieve the mission. And then we must go after it with all of our hearts. We must be a mission-driven people. Well, now today we are in Nehemiah chapter 3, and we'll learn another lesson together. We will see here that if we would be used of God to achieve something great, then we must also learn to work together in perfect synergy. We must learn to work together in perfect synergy. Now, what do I mean by synergy? Well, allow me to illustrate the term. So let me ask you to picture in your mind a beautiful golden timepiece. Now, as you look at the face of that timepiece, you understand that it has just one purpose— It exists to give you the correct time of day. But you also know that accomplishing that purpose requires a whole lot of different parts all working in harmony. And so if you were to turn that timepiece around and remove the backing, you would find just a bewildering array of different parts. You would find a hairspring and a balance wheel and a barrel and a bridge and a caliber and an escapement, and a gasket, and you would find jewels, and a rotor, and a repeater, and a shock absorber, and a battery, and a computer chip, and a thousand other pieces. But you would also notice how all of these parts are perfectly interlocked with each other, and they are all working together to achieve the one purpose of giving you the time of day. Well, friends, that is synergy. It's many different parts all working together to achieve a singular mission. Looking at today's text, we find an example of synergy on a grand scale as Nehemiah rallies an entire city to work together to rebuild Jerusalem's walls. Just a note here before we enter the text, you understand that my normal practice is just to work Phrase by phrase, line by line, from beginning to end of a text, offering you an exposition of it in its entirety. However, today's text will not allow me to do that. For one thing, it's just too long and my time is too short. But for another reason, the structure of this text is very unusual. We don't have a narrative flowing through the chapter. Instead, we have a listing of names and work assignments and and locations where the work was done. And so it just doesn't lend itself well to a verse-by-verse exposition. And so what I'm doing instead today is this. I have gleaned six enduring lessons about building synergy from the chapter. 
And I'm going to present those six lessons to you, drawing on verses from all over the chapter to make each lesson stick. So that's my approach this morning. And the first lesson about synergy is this, that if we are to work together as the people of God, then every one of us must take personal ownership of the work. Every one of us must take personal ownership of the work. And this is one of the most beautiful aspects of today's text. Nehemiah has gotten the entire city of Jerusalem rallied behind a single mission, the mission of rebuilding Jerusalem's walls. And virtually every member of that city has now taken personal ownership of the work so that he has achieved nearly 100% buy-in. And we see that in today's text. We see that the priests were, in, were um, invested in this work. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, And then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers the priests, and they built the sheep gate and consecrated it and its doors. So the high priest of Jerusalem, this was undoubtedly the most prestigious man in the city. And his normal work was to lead God's people in worship there at the temple. And all of his subordinate priests, their job was to facilitate worship too. A priest wouldn't ordinarily get involved in a construction project, but Nehemiah has gotten everyone invested in this. And so now even the high priest himself, with all of his subordinates, they have bought into the job and they are ready to get to work. We also notice the tradesmen getting to work. Down in verse 8, it says, And Uziel, the son of Harhiah, both of whom were goldsmiths, they bought into this. Also, verse 8, next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers. And then down in verse 31, mentions another goldsmith. Verse 32 mentions goldsmiths and merchants. So the high priests and all the subordinate priests, they're invested in this work. And now we have goldsmiths, perfumers, merchants, all of the tradesmen of Jerusalem. They're invested in it as well. They are prepared to set aside all of their regular labors to give themselves to rebuilding the walls. In fact, we even see government officials involved. Imagine government bureaucrats eager to roll up their sleeves and to get their hands dirty on a construction project. But they were. Verse 9 says, Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem. He was invested in this. Verse 12, Next to him, Shalim, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem. Verse 14, Malchijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of beth Hecarim. Verse 15, and Shalom, the son of kol ruler of the district of Mizpah. And verse 16, after him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk. So this is a different Nehemiah. Ruler of half the district of Beth-Zur. Here we see just this great array of important government officials. Rulers of districts of Jerusalem, as well as of other surrounding towns and villages, but they have also bought into this vision of a rebuilt Jerusalem, and they're ready to invest themselves in the work. Verse 17, we also see the Levites getting involved. Now, the Levites were, were servants in the temple. They were the musicians, the guards, the gatekeepers, but they had full buy-in. 
The temple servants also got involved. These were the assistants to the Levites. Verse 26 mentions their involvement. Down to verse 22, it says all of the men of the surrounding area also got invested in the work. And then verse 12, even women and children got involved. Listen to this beautiful verse. Verse 12 it says, Next to him, Shaliam, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. And then it adds, he and his daughters. So this man was was so invested in the project that he made sure his whole family got involved. He brought along his little girls, and they were going to help him rebuild the walls. My friends, it's clear looking at this chapter that virtually every person in that city, from the greatest to the least, had all bought into Nehemiah's vision. They had all taken ownership of this rebuilding project, and every one of them had a desire to do their part. Nobody was out there saying, look, this is Nehemiah's vision, let him do the job. No, they were saying, it's our vision, and it's our mission, let us rebuild the walls. Now, friends, if we can apply this to our own setting now, as fellow believers in this age, we are all members of the body of Christ. You understand that God has given a mission to his body. It's most clearly articulated in Matthew chapter 28. He says that we are to go, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the triune God and teaching them all things that Christ taught us. That is the mission of the church today. And Christ has also ordained an institution to carry it out, and that is the local church. The local church is a microcosm of the universal body of Christ, a local manifestation of his universal church. And Christ has entrusted to the local church the work of evangelizing and baptizing and teaching all that Christ taught. Friends, this is our mission as Grace Baptist Church. And you know, the only way that we will have success in this mission as a church is if every last one of us has bought into our Lord's commission. If we have made His great commission our own personal missions as well. There must be 100% buy-in. Every member of this church fully committed to the task that our Lord has given us. And friends, as we consider this, I think we'd all do well to ask ourselves questions like these. What is my life all about? What is the driving passion in, in my life? And it would be good for us all to ask ourselves, why have I come to Grace Baptist Church? What, what brought me here, but now what is keeping me here at Grace? Am I driven by the mission that our Lord has given me, or is my life driven by other pursuits? Have I bought into the idea that I am here on this earth and here at Grace Baptist Church to make disciples? Friends, gospel ministry requires synergy. And synergy begins when each of us takes personal ownership of the mission. Will you take ownership of it yourself? 
Well, continuing on, we find something else about synergy. We find that it also requires every one of us to be actively involved in the work. So there must be 100% buy-in, everyone fully invested in it, but then everyone actually rolling up their sleeves and doing the work that they've been assigned to do. And friends, this is another beautiful feature of today's text. We see these city residents not just paying lip service to the mission, but virtually every one of them was also actively involved in rebuilding those walls. Look again at verse 1. It says, Then Eliashib the high priest rose up with his brothers the priests, and they built the sheep gate. So the high priest of Jerusalem and all of the priests under him, they with their own hands built that gate. And then down in verse 2 it says, And next to him the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachur the son of Imri built. Verse 4, Next to them, Merimoth the son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, repaired. Verse 5, Next to them, the Tikkoites repaired. And on and on it goes. Verses 7, 8, 9, 10, right on through the entire chapter. List after list of men and women and children who got their hands dirty, who did the work. Friends, you can see this all visualized on the bulletin insert I've provided. You can see the ring around the city of Jerusalem representing the wall, and you can see how every household, every laborer in the city of Jerusalem was given an assignment, and how the entire city was working together side by side to build that wall back up. They were like a great human chain encircling the whole city, together raising up those walls. And you know, another interesting feature here is how Nehemiah made sure that everyone on the project was assigned the part of the wall that would be most meaningful to them. Let me show you this. Verse 10. It says, Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Harumaph, repaired, note, repaired opposite his house. In verse 17, after him the Levites repaired, Rehum the son of Bani, and next to him Hashabiah, ruler of half the district of Keilah, repaired for his district. Verse 23, after them Benjamin and Hashab repaired opposite their house. And after them Azariah the son of Maseah, son of Ananiah, repaired beside his own house. Verse 28, above the horse gate, the priests repaired each one opposite his own house. Verse 29, after them, Zadok, the son of Immer, repaired opposite his own house. Verse 30, second half of the verse, after him, Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. And so it's obvious here that Nehemiah did not randomly assign people their jobs. No, Nehemiah looked at the volunteers before him, and then he looked at a map of Jerusalem, and he figured out where each of his volunteers lived in relation to the city's wall. And he assigned each worker, each household, to repair that portion of the wall that was nearest his own house. Or he would assign to a government official that section of the wall nearest to the district that he governed. Nehemiah did this intentionally. He wanted each person given a place on the wall that would be most meaningful to them. 
Nehemiah knew that if he assigned a man to work right across from his own house, that that man would be highly motivated to do a good job because every single day he was going to be looking out the window of his house at the section of wall that he built. And he's not going to want to see a mess. He wants to look at that wall and say, look at the good job that I did. Look at this, kids. Look what we did. He's going to do a good job because it was near his house. Now, friends, here at Grace Baptist Church, we have many different kinds of people, just like they had in Jerusalem. We have men and women, young and old, people with different life experiences, different educational backgrounds, different ethnicities, and yet we are all here together by the providence of God, and together we form a single local church. And friends, God would have each one of us working together to advance the biblical mission. If I can put it this way, he would have each one of us find our place on the wall to build in this great work. Maybe you've been coming to Grace Baptist Church for a while now, but you've been very hesitant to join. Or maybe you have joined already, but you have not yet found a place of service. Well, let me just encourage you this morning. If membership is the step that you need to take, don't let your fears hold you back. Take that step. Request membership at Grace Baptist Church. And then for, for both our new members and those who have been here a while, maybe haven't gotten involved yet, talk to us and we will find a place of meaningful service for you. There's a place on the wall for you, a place of significance, a place where you will feel that your contribution really means something. We'll find that place for you. We'll get you plugged in. But then, of course, you also understand that, that even as each of us should have a place of really desirable service, place that really fits with all of our unique talents and abilities, yet there is always going to be work to do that is less than glamorous, and each of us must be willing to do that kind of work as well. This takes us to poor Malchijah in verse 14. See, Malchijah's job was to repair the dung gate. Now, I imagine the lunch whistle going off and all the workers in Jerusalem taking out their lunch pails and sitting on the grass and forming their little circles. And I imagine all of the volunteers talking about their various projects. And, and I imagine one saying, oh, I'm rebuilding the section in front of my home. And I imagine another saying, I get to shore up the foundation of the great tower. I imagine another family saying, we get to replant the garden, the king's garden beside the wall. And I imagine another person saying, we get to, to cleanse the water of, of the pool of Siloam. And they're all giving these incredible building assignments. And then they come to Malchijah, what are you working on? And he has to say, I'm building the dung gate. You know, friends, not every job will be glamorous, but every job is necessary. And so every job has to get done. So maybe you're a gifted instrumentalist. Well, you ought to use that gift in the service of the church. But also understand that there may be times when you are needed to vacuum the carpet as well. 
Or maybe you love leading Bible studies. Maybe you're really good at it. You ought to have the opportunity to lead those Bible studies. But understand that you may also have to be put on the nursery rotation too so that we don't have the same ladies in the nursery room every single week missing out on the gathered worship service here. Or maybe you like going out to the range with the guys on the security team. And you ought to be able to do that. But understand that there may also be times when you need to run the leaf blower outside. And you all get the point. We should all have an area of service that is meaningful to us. Something that really harmonizes well with our talents and experiences and abilities. And yet, because we are a community here... We must all be ready to help out with the work that is less than glamorous. And you understand that none of it is busy work. It's all essential. And this is what synergy is all about. We all take ownership of the work, and then we all get to work. We find out where we can be most useful, and we find out where we're needed, too. And we just get to work, and together we achieve something great. This is synergy. And this takes us to our third lesson of the text. So synergy requires 100% buy-in. It also requires 100% of us rolling up our sleeves to work. Next we see that it also requires us to see how every individual part contributes to the overarching mission. We have to know how our little slice of the work, contributes to the great whole. We see this in today's text. Look at verse 3. It says, Now the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. Now that was at the northern tip of the city. Then verse 14 says, Poor Melchijah, the son of Rechab, had to repair the dung gate. Well, that was on the southern tip of the city. Then verse 29, Shemaiah repaired the east gate. And then verse 6, Joida and Meshulam repaired the gate of Yeshana. That's on the western side. And so we have all points of the compass represented, north, south, west, and east. Friends, as these work assignments were being handed out, it must have been clear to everyone that Nehemiah was aiming to revitalize the entire city. That every single part of this wall was going to be rebuilt. And so every section of the wall would be assigned a worker. This means that every worker would have understood that he was contributing to, to a greater whole. So an individual might say, look, my job is to shore up the foundation of this tower, or my job is to repair this six-foot section of wall. But each person also understood that their little task, it was part of a grand task, they were working side by side with everyone else, and they were ultimately revitalizing a nation. That little piece of wall that that one family worked on, it would contribute to the complete wall being rebuilt, which would contribute to the entire capital city of Israel rebuilding, which would contribute to all of the nation of Israel revitalizing every small job had a part to play in the grand mission. Friends, as a congregation, it's good for us to keep a view of our overarching mission. We are here to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it's good for us to understand how every individual task that we accomplish here as a church is contributing to that grand mission. We must not allow ourselves to get trapped in ministry silos where we become really good at our individual job, but we have no idea how what we're doing contributes to anything greater. We can't allow ourselves to get into that. Every single job here can trace a line directly from that job to the disciple-making mission, and we must all see how it is done. So, for example, the nursery workers, how does their work contribute to the disciple-making ministry of our church? Well, in this way, if our nursery workers are taking care of all of the newborns, that means that the parents and the grandparents of those newborns get to sit in the auditorium free of distraction. And that means they get to hear the scripture readings, and they get to participate in the hymns, and they get to listen to the prayers, and they get to hear the exposition of scripture without the, the constant distraction that the needs of a newborn bring. And so taking care of the babies during the service allows us to make disciples here. Or how about groundskeeping? Okay, how does a, a groundskeeper contribute to the mission of disciple-making? Well, if the groundskeeper makes our property look beautiful, that's going to leave a good impression with new arrivals. And if we make a good impression on new arrivals, then we increase our chances of them coming back. And so we will have extended opportunities to evangelize and to disciple them. Groundskeeping contributes to discipleship. Or how about maintaining the building? Well, if we allow this building to go to mothballs, we don't have a place to meet as a congregation anymore. We would have to break up the congregation into a bunch of little parts and meet in private homes or something like that. And friends, I don't think we could do as well a part like that as we can do together as one large church family here. And so maintaining the building is a disciple-making activity. And on and on it goes, our Sunday school teachers. You know, you're not just occupying our young children. You are teaching them the truths of Scripture. You are making disciples of our kids. You see, every single one of us here, we're going to have an individualized job. But every single job is contributing to the great mission of making disciples for Christ, And we've got to understand that so that when somebody asks you, what do you do at Grace Baptist Church? You say, I, I watch newborns in the nursery so that their parents can be discipled in the auditorium. I mow the lawn so that visitors will have a good impression and we have an opportunity to minister to them. Understand your job and understand the great purpose that your job serves. Friends, we know we are working well together when we each have our own work assignment, but we each have a good understanding of its role in the greater whole. And now we look at our fourth point. Synergy also requires each of us to do our job with perseverance and skill. Perseverance and skill. See, friends, no worthwhile project is going to be finished overnight. You've got to be in it for the long haul. You've got to be committed to doing a good job. We see this in our text. Look at verse 3. Notice the care with which this project is undertaken. It says, The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. You can hear the careful attention to detail there. 
And then down in verse 6, same details. They laid its beams, set its doors, its bolts, its bars. Then look down at verse 10. You see the repetition of the word repaired. This means they worked hard to restore the walls and gates to their former glory. They were clearing away the old debris, gathering their new materials, painstakingly fitting everything together to make for a beautiful wall, beautiful gates. It's repeated over and over in our text. Verse 11 says another section was repaired. Verse 13 says Hanan and the inhabitants of Nehoah repaired a thousand cubits of wall. More than a quarter mile of wall these guys repaired. Verse 14 says they repaired and rebuilt. And on it goes right through the chapter, persevering in the work, painstaking efforts to do a good job. Friends, don't cut corners in your ministries. Don't do a half-hearted job. Don't make commitments that you have no intention of keeping. No, we must all dedicate ourselves to the work that God has assigned us. We must make sure that our job is done right, and we must trust that all of those working around us are doing their jobs right, too. And together we will build something here that endures. Fifth lesson about synergy. Synergy also requires each of us to value the contributions of all the others. So we have bought into the mission, we've rolled up our sleeves, we're doing a good job at our station, but we are also loving the work that we see everybody else doing. This is another notable feature of today's text. We find Nehemiah being so careful to give full credit to every single worker for every part that he has done. In fact, every verse in this chapter is just a statement of public recognition. Let's look at just a couple of really striking examples. Verse 16, it says, After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzur, repaired, listen to these details, repaired to a point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool, as far as the house of the mighty men. So Nehemiah gives the name of the worker, gives his job assignment, tells us his starting point and his finishing point. Nehemiah is being very careful to give recognition to this worker. Down to verse 24, it says, After him, Binuai, the son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. Verse 31, After him, Melchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate and to the upper chamber of the corner. You see, Nehemiah wanted to make sure that every single person invested in this work was mentioned by name that their work assignments were publicly known, and that their good job was publicly recognized. See, friends, in a healthy community, no one wants to steal the spotlight. They want to share the spotlight with everyone who is doing quality work. And they want the whole group to get credit for the collective success of the mission. And no one is so prideful as to think that their part is more important than any other part. This is synergy. Now, friends, here at Grace, we devote one Sunday a year to publicly recognizing our volunteers. We call it Worker Appreciation Sunday. And we offer the names of the volunteers, and we explain the work that they do, and then we offer a small gift. But you understand that that is not nearly enough recognition. Every week here at Grace, scores and scores of good deeds are done that nobody sees. 
behind-the-scenes work of praying and sending cards, giving words of kindness, substitute teaching for a teacher that is ill, seeing a leaf on the carpet and just picking it up and throwing it away because you want everything to look nice, coming in and, and mudding drywall, sanding old paint away, a thousand little things that nobody sees. But it is all worthwhile work, and it all deserves public recognition. Friends, let us try our best to build a culture of recognition here so that we don't have to wait for a formal service to to arrive. Just any time that you see somebody in this church doing a, a noteworthy act of service, just praise them for it right there. Say, thank you, ladies, for for working in the kitchen while the rest of us are enjoying the food in Grace Cafe. Thank you for vacuuming. Thank you for cleaning so well this week. You know, thank you for the kind word, for the card, for the prayer. Let's have a culture of recognition. Because, friends, public recognition advances the mission by communicating to everyone that their work matters. And now, very quickly, lesson five. Synergy requires each one of us to believe in the spiritual import. Or excuse me, lesson six. It requires each of us to believe in the spiritual import of our work. Look once more at verse one. It reads, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. And then look what they did next. It says, And they consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hananel. So these priests, they, they built and then they consecrated. To consecrate something is to dedicate it to God. And so these priests understood they weren't just building a wall. They weren't just erecting a gate. No, they were doing a spiritual work. They were building a holy city. A city where the people of God could worship Him. A city that would be as a, as a light on a hill for all nations to see. A home. A home for God's chosen people. They understood the spiritual significance of what they were doing. And friends, Grace Baptist Church is doing a spiritual work too. Even this current renovation project is a spiritual effort. Why did we blacktop the parking lot? Why did we enlarge the nursery? Why are we enlarging the auditorium? Why are we about to turn our attention to building a new restroom? We're doing it so that we have room for more worshipers. We're doing it so that more people can gather here. More people can hear the gospel in person in our building so that more families can be accommodated here. That's why we're doing it. Putting up drywall and laying carpet, it is spiritual work. Everything we do here is spiritual work, from wiping tables to washing dishes to running the vacuum cleaner to teaching Sunday school to leading a prayer meeting. It's all done ultimately for the worship of of God. If I can summarize very quickly now, friends, if we would be used of God to achieve great things in our day, then we must learn to work together in perfect synergy. 
And what that means is that we must all take personal responsibility for the work. 100% buy-in. And it means we must all roll up our sleeves and actually get to work. And it means we must all understand how our individual assignment contributes to the greater mission. And it means doing our work with perseverance and skill. And it means every one of us not only valuing our own job, but every assignment in the church family. And it means recognizing one another's contributions and then recognizing the spiritual import of what we are doing. This is what we are called to do, my friends. We are called to be a community of faith that works together to see God's work Advance. And friends, I believe that if we will work together in perfect synergy, God will be pleased to expand this ministry, to give us another 21 years, perhaps another 121 years. We trust our church will be here and thriving right until our Lord comes to take us home. Let's work and pray to that end. Our Lord, we thank you for the time you've given us. We thank you for this remarkable passage of Scripture which shows us an entire city coming together to rebuild a nation beginning with the walls of its capital. And pray, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to work together well as we seek to build a local church. And we pray that you would use this local church to accomplish great spiritual good in the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.